Sunday, June 4th, 2017, is a day that Megan Kelto will remember forever. To say it was unexpected, I mean, I can't, I can't even emphasize that enough. She was cleaning up after her daughter Ginger's fourth birthday party, thrown the day before. We always made a big deal of the kids' birthdays. There was a bounce house, and there were tons of people, and I made a big, elaborate cake, and, you know, lots of presents were had. It was a real good day. The bounce house people came to take the bounce house away. The cleanup was done, and life felt like it was returning to normal. And I was outside with the girls playing with a new water toy they had gotten. But the word normal, as she knew it, was about to go away for Megan. Its meaning redefined in an instant. And while I'm out there just hanging in the backyard, two police officers came and banged on the back gate to get in, and it was terrifying. I'm Tommy Andres, and this is Creative Coast. This podcast focuses on creative entrepreneurs who have made Northern Michigan their home. But if you've been listening from the beginning, by now it's probably clear that it's about a whole lot more than that. We've talked a lot about taking leaps and luck and life and love. And today we journey into new territory for us, loss. My name is Megan Kelto. I am 39 and I am the site director for Crooked Tree Arts Center Traverse City. In the fall of 1999, Megan Dwyer attended Trivia Night at Dill's Old Town Saloon in Traverse City. The Trivia Night was kind of small but raucous and uh, uh, tight-knit, you know, same teams playing week after week, typically. Megan knew nearly everyone at the bar, but there was a guy who was a few years older who had caught her eye, a guy she hadn't met named Lars Kelto. I kind of knew who he was already. His uh, parents and siblings are pretty well known in Traverse City, and I hadn't met him, but, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I I know who this guy is. Megan was 19, and Lars was 23 at the time. I think uh, our initial interactions were probably like trivia trash talking. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, we started hanging out. We started seeing each other. after trivia, we, we, you know, of course, Traverse City is a small town. So as soon as we started talking, we realized that we knew all these people in common. And, and um, you know, it just kind of went from there. The couple was young, but things got serious. This is a bad story. I'm not sure I should tell it on the podcast, but I will. Um, so this is late 1999. And uh, we're coming up to New Year's Eve. And you remember, this is like Y2K. The world is going to end. And, um, you know, my friends and I are all like 20, but we wanted to have a New Year's Eve party and we wanted to have adult beverages at this New Year's Eve party. So I enlisted my uh, my older kind of sort of boyfriend to um, do that shopping for us. And uh, we, we made our little <laughs> grocery trip. And uh, afterwards, I bought him lunch. I figured it was the least I could do. And uh, I said that to him. Uh, I said, I know this this isn't adequate repayment for the shopping trip we just went on and and he said he said that's okay you can buy me lunch for the rest of our lives and that was like two months after we met so it's kind of a done deal from then megan loves so many things about lars One of the smartest people I've ever known, someone who was so talented in so many ways. You know, he was a 
very talented, self-taught computer programmer, but he was also a musician. Uh, he played saxophone and piano and could sing. Um, you know, he was one of those annoying people with like really good pitch who could just hear a song and, and like play it with both hands. Uh, <laughs> you know, he could do and learn anything he wanted to. And he kind of had both sides of the brain going in that. Negan was drawn to Lars's artistic side. She had fancied herself an artist, too, when she was younger. As a kid, I think my first uh, love that I remember uh, was actually art. I was big into drawing. But like so many of the people we have profiled on this series, Megan thought for her, art was just a hobby, not a career path. So when it came time to choose a major at Central Michigan University, she picked two practical ones, poli-sci and psychology. I ended up with a dual major and uh, kind of was on the pre-law track, intending to uh, go to law school. But law school would have to wait. Megan had put herself through college, and after graduating in 2003, she needed to make some money. She got a job at an online marketing firm in Traverse City called OneUp Web. Lars was also working in tech. At just 20 years old, he had founded his own dial-up internet service provider company. The couple thought their career paths might take them elsewhere, a place where tech was a centerpiece of the local economy. You know, we'd always have the conversation of, should we move to a big city for a few years? You know, we would both have different career options in a big city. He particularly thought about the Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina because there was a lot of tech and IT going on uh, there. We took trips to New York City fairly frequently, so that was also on, on the short list, but we didn't. And part of the reason we didn't um, was because the Traverse City Film Festival had started. The Traverse City Film Festival was founded in 2005 by the area's most famous resident, Oscar-winning director Michael Moore. Megan and Lars were both avid film fans and were excited that every year filmmakers and film lovers would flock to northern Michigan to celebrate the movies. We both got uh, really involved with that organization. So it was definitely about like bringing, you know, what we saw as this like really cool transformative thing into the community and supporting it. But also, you know, building some skills and, and doing some things um, professionally or on a volunteer basis um, that we hadn't done before. So Megan and Lars stayed in Traverse City and they saw the town transform. The film festival helped to revitalize the downtown area. The old state theater, which had been closed, was renovated and reopened. The arts and culture scene was thriving and so was the couple's relationship. In 2005, Lars and Megan boarded the Madeline a tall replica of an 1840s schooner that sails Grand Traverse Bay. We woke up that morning and had these tickets and had this scheduled, but the weather was kind of bad. It was kind of cold and rainy. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't go. Um, and he was kind of, um, you know, looking back on it, like weirdly insistent, right? He was like, oh, it'll probably clear up. It'll probably be okay. If not, you know, it'll still be, it'll still be fun. Um, so we go out on the boat and, and it was indeed cold and rainy. Um, it sprinkled on and off, but uh, there were other people on the boat for this ride um, who we didn't know. So we we're kind of like surrounded by these strangers and he kind of like quietly, quietly did this. He said, do you, do you like your boat ride? And I said, yes, I'm having a great time on the boat ride. And he said, do you want to get married? <laughs> and pops out this ring box. And of course I said, yes. 
The following year, on October 7, 2006, the couple tied the knot at the Chaconi Vineyards on Leelanau. It was this like picture perfect fall day. The trees were in like full color. It was 70 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. I mean, we, you know, it's October in Michigan. So we were like prepared, like it might snow on our wedding day, right? Um, but it didn't. And, um, we had uh, our reception right there on site, too, in like this really cool refurbished uh, barn that they had with, you know, Christmas lights wrapped around the rafters. And and it was it was gorgeous. I mean, people <laughs> people still talk about like what a beautiful wedding that was. That same year, Megan got a new job at the Interlochen Center for the Arts as the online marketing manager. The couple was finding a way to meld their skills in tech with the local art scene. Lars's company, Lars Kelto Technology Services, had become the go-to IT company for the arts in Traverse City. He was also a talented actor and became a regular fixture in performances at the Old Town Playhouse. Ooh, I got the perfect remedy. Sing a song, yes, a travel song when you gotta go somewhere. Like this one, where he played the donkey in the musical version of Shrek. Oh, what the heck? I must confess, I love a road trip. Sing a song, hit the trail. Lars and Megan's life was full, and it was about to become fuller with the birth of their daughters, Meta and Ginger. It was something that we always figured we would do, but we also took our time doing it. So, um, you know, it was 2010 when our first daughter was born, um, and then we had our second uh, almost three years later in June 2013. Having kids is obviously a huge thing. So how did that change you as a couple? Yeah, I mean, having kids is a huge change, um, especially because, you know, we were both doing a lot of different things and volunteering for a lot of uh, different organizations and, um, you know, both had, you know, pretty thriving careers. So, you know, there were definitely some struggles in terms of balance and, um, you know, caretaking of children and balancing other activities and priorities. So, um, you know, I don't think that's a a unique thing, but um, certainly something that was tough in those early years. But their growing family didn't slow their careers down. Lars and Megan became a Traverse City arts power couple, both appearing over the years on the region's 40 under 40 lists. Then in 2015, after nine years at Interlochen, Megan was ready for something new. A job posting caught her eye. At Crooked Tree Art Center, a community-based arts nonprofit. This seemed like a really exciting opportunity to, to kind of run something and be a little bit more entrepreneurial and get some more management and oversight experience. Megan was thrilled when she landed the job. It was exciting because at Crooked Tree, we could be a lot more nimble. So, you know, if someone had an idea for an art class we wanted to do. We just kind of like did it. It didn't have to go through uh, five layers of, of approval. And, and uh, there wasn't kind of that, that hierarchical bureaucracy that, that you get in a larger organization. Megan helped launch Paint Grand Traverse, an annual plain air painting competition that draws in artists from all over the world to create landscapes of the beautiful northern Michigan scenery. And so life was good for Megan and Lars. They were doing well in their careers, they had two beautiful daughters, and they were part of a thriving creative community. But life was about to change dramatically. 
Saturday, June 3rd, 2017 was their daughter Ginger's fourth birthday. We always made a big deal of the kids' birthdays. There was a bounce house and there were tons of people and I made a big elaborate cake and, you know, all, all the things we normally did. You know, lots of presents were had. Uh, it was a, was a real good day. The following day was Sunday, June 4th. We had woken up that morning and uh, spent some nice time as a family. The bounce house people came and took away the bounce house. And and uh, my older daughter, her, her birthday's in July. So our, our deal uh, was that, you know, because kids start planning their birthday parties like months ahead, right? Our, our deal was, okay, Meta, we're, we're not going to talk about your birthday party until Ginger's birthday party is done. So then the very next morning, Meta's like, okay, it's time to start designing invitations. <laughs> so um, she wanted this Greek mythology-themed uh, birthday party. So, you know, we, we started on it. Um, Meta and I spent the morning on Photoshop making the making the invitations. And uh, Lars hung out with Ginger and did some puzzles on the floor. We had lunch. Um, Lars had to run down uh, to uh, the film festival to, I, I don't even know what he was doing, rebooting a server or something. And I was outside then with the girls playing with a new water toy they had gotten and while I'm out there just hanging in the backyard, two police officers came and uh, banged on the back gate to get in. It was terrifying. I mean, <laughs> I had no idea why they were there. Um, and they came and they said, Lars had collapsed. It, we, he was in the hospital and we needed to get there as soon as we could. So it was this crazy, mad scramble to, like, get the girls dried off and dressed. And, you know, I remember Meta was so upset. Um, she kept saying, you know, what if Daddy broke his leg? And I'm thinking, like, if this is a broken leg, <laughs> we're going to be, like, super happy because um, please don't come to your house for a broken leg. Megan and the girls rushed to the hospital. It was a blur, but Megan remembers being taken to a room with a nameplate on the door that said social worker. So that was kind of like my clue that like something really terrible had happened. Like my worst case scenario in my head was uh, somehow I went to, you know, him having a stroke and was unresponsive. And, you know, I <laughs> even, yeah, I didn't, I didn't consider that, that um, he would, was gone already. Lars had suffered a major cardiac event. He had no previous health issues. There were no red flags. His aorta ruptured, like randomly, uh, which I guess is a thing that can happen. But it was not something I had ever heard of and, and certainly not something that you'd think, you know, he was 40, he was healthy. You know, he had just wrapped up a show. Uh, he was in a musical at the Playhouse uh, that had ended a couple weeks ago. So, you know, he was on stage singing and dancing, and that's a real, like, cardiovascular workout. So there was not any indication to me that something might be wrong. I mean, there's obviously no playbook for this. Um, I mean, it's just devastating. And, I mean, what do you do? Like, what what do you, what do, you do just as a person uh, when this happens? I mean, how do you, how do you react and, and sort of, like, I just can't even put myself in, in your shoes for this experience. So do you just remember what it sort of 
felt like viscerally to, to be going through this? My first instinct was to go into survival mode. I mean, almost like, how do I keep these kids fed and housed and <laughs> everything? That was the first thing. And then the second thing was all the phone calls I had to make. Like I, I had to tell folks, I had to call, um, you know, his best friends from high school and my friends and, and start letting people knew, know, um, you know, it being a small town, I knew it was only a matter of time before it was out on Facebook and everything. So, um, I was trying to, trying to get personal contacts with as many people as I could. Megan relied heavily on her parents and Lars's parents and brother who all lived in town, as well as the many friends the couple had made over the years. We had a lot of family around us, um, which was good. You know, the kids were the kids were fed. My cat, I don't know, someone scooped my cat's litter box for like a month. I have no idea who did it. But <laughs> like a few months later, I was like, oh, yeah, someone must have been doing that because I wasn't. <laughs> so it was a really crazy time. But, you know, when these things happen, you immediately get thrown into, um, you know, funeral planning and all the decisions you have to make about cremation and coffins and <laughs> guess you know they're asking me like what kind of guest book do you want for the memorial <laughs> like i i don't i don't know i don't care but i did care because um you want it to be right so you obviously had to talk to your two young daughters about what happened to their father how did you do that i don't know how much it really was integrated into their brains about like what had happened. Like they knew what death was. Um, I think they both had a good understanding that it was final, but they don't think about it like, or they didn't like an adult does when, you know, you think about like all the ramifications of this loss of this person, right? Um, you know, a four and a six-year-old, <laughs> they don't they don't leap to that um, necessarily. So... I think that experience is going to unfold for them as they get older and wiser and more worldly. Lars had been a 21st century Renaissance man, a one-size-fits-all solution for just about any need or want in the community. His obituary was proof that he meant so much to so many people. It said that people in town would call him when they needed a wedding officiated or a trivia night hosted, a Wi-Fi network set up, a comedy sketch written, a short film made, a bonfire built, a brunch organized, a piano tuned, a show directed, or an introduction made, because he knew everybody. Lars's memorial service took place at the City Opera House. It was a celebration of his life. I mean, it was a musical event. We had a live band and a lot of singers performing numbers, and um, I don't know, six or seven people spoke kind of from different aspects of, of Lars's life. Um, there was a slideshow of photos from throughout his whole life set to music. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a real, like, highly produced event. And several hundred people were there um, at the Opera House. And then it was also simulcast down the road to the State Theater, um, where folks were too, and then also uh, live on Facebook. So uh, it was a real, um, a real multimedia event. It's what uh, he would have wanted. Megan says she was fortunate enough to find a great therapist early on. 
a woman who had also been widowed at the same age as Megan and has helped her through the grieving process. So it's been three years since Lars died. Have you made sense of what happened at all? Um, sense. I don't know if there's any sense. Um, you know, I'm definitely like, it it is something I think about every day. Um, it is, you know, but the pain, you know, it doesn't, uh, it's less acute, less often, I guess, at this point. Um, the first three years here have been really about getting my feet back under myself and um, making sure I can uh, support and provide for the girls in, in all ways, <laughs> uh, financially and otherwise. And all things considered, the girls are doing well. Megan sees Lars living on in them every day. They're both very bright. They both um, are outgoing uh, people people. <laughs> Lars was definitely like a huge in, uh, extrovert. Um, so the the girls um, also have no problem talking to people and making friends. And, and you know, that's been something that's that's been really fun to see. Um, my younger one, uh, Ginger, um, I think she's she's inherited some of his musical abilities. So she's a little young to to take lessons yet. But but soon we'll be doing that very soon. So life continues but without her husband and best friend by her side. Megan is still figuring this new life out. And that, she says, is okay. I'm about to turn 40 this fall and definitely having, you know, not, not, you know, I don't want to say midlife crisis because as a widow, I feel like I'm psychologically like 80 years old. But, uh, you know, there is kind of an element of, okay, things are the new normal. Things are all right. What, what do I want to be when I grow up? Megan makes it clear that suddenly and unexpectedly losing your spouse is a disorienting experience. She says she's nearly 40, sometimes feels 80, but because of her newfound perspective and the view of the world she gets through the eyes of her two young daughters, sometimes she's reminded of her youth. She's been reevaluating what's important and turning back toward that artistic side she hasn't fully embraced in a long, long time. I'm happy in my job, so I'm not, I'm not looking to, to make a big change there. Um, but I think it means for right now, pursuing uh, some of my own art projects. Again, going back to that, that first thing that I remember loving. Um, yeah, that's what that means for now. We'd like to thank Megan Kelto for sharing her story. Creative Coast is a podcast series brought to you by Traverse Connect, the Grand Traverse Region's economic development organization, and is produced by Maria Byrne and myself through our own little startup podcast company called Heirloom Media. That's spelled A-I-R. Our composer is Traverse City local Josh Hoisington. This podcast series is made possible thanks to generous support and funding from the Michigan Film and Digital Media Office at Michigan's Economic Development Corporation. You can visit Traverse Connect's website at traverseconnect.com. 